FM's 105 Just in Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer, uh, with our esteemed guest, uh, Senator Gary Winfield. Uh, I'm inviting us to be in conversations uh, about ideas that matter with people that matter, like y'all. So thank you, Senator, for joining us to being on the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Um, and when I watched the opening, I'm like, I want to hear you sing it. <laughs> I'm doing great. I had to pause myself. I was like, no, no one wants to hear me singing first thing in the morning. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I reached out to you. Um, I've known you for a long time. And so, um, something that I've been pondering, right. Um, like a lot of us legislators of color, right? It's public safety. And so I've been crossing my fingers, right? Knocking on wood that um, uh, no egregious things would happen this summer that would flare up people. Um, and, and so I've been happy in some sense, but I also know that things are always going on, right? Um, uh, and that, it's not just things in the sense of uh, uh, policing, right? But also shootings and violence in the community. And so I guess as we have this dialogue, as we have this discussion, um, you know, what is public safety? And then the follow-up to that is, is public safety just policing? And if it is not just policing, what is it? Yeah, first, that is a really good question and more people should be asking um, because these conversations kind of start in the middle. And I think we need to go back to the beginning asking questions like what public safety is because when we start talking about we're doing this in the name of public safety, often I say, no, we're not. Um, so I start with um, the concept of what is it I want to experience, right? Um, and I think of the safest place that I know or the safest place that I would like to know, which would be my home, right? Um, and when I, when I think about home, there's certain aspects of home that are important, right? Safety being it, comfort, different things. And so I think when we're having a conversation about public safety, um, we should be thinking of these spaces as spaces akin to that, right? Um, and what what is it that brings us to that? What is it that allows us to get there? Certainly, Police have a role, whether we like it or not. They have a role. 
but their role isn't to create that. And so I think when we're thinking about public safety, we have to be thinking about, so whose role, what organization, what uh, resources have a role in creating that, particularly in communities where it doesn't feel like the place where we would like to call home. And so I don't start off with police. I know a lot of people would assume I do given the work that I've done, uh, but I start off with what is it about this community that makes it operate this way versus that community, the one that we tend to focus on that makes it operate different? And is it a policy choice that makes the difference or is there something else? And let's, let's untangle that. So if you were to ask me about public safety and whether uh, police equal public safety, I would tell you absolutely not. Police respond uh, to things that have happened. Uh, we, we hope that they don't have the opportunity to respond to too much, right? Like there's gonna be stuff that's going to happen, but we hope they don't have the opportunity to respond to too much. And then the other part of that is when they respond, we expect a certain type of response. And when that doesn't happen, people like me come into play to make sure that there is recourse for the citizens should they not operate in the way that they should. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I always laugh, um, you know, I'm in Newhall and so, I'm on the borderline and I always write there are elements walking around where I don't feel safe, but I always, you know, highlight to people like, you know, when I really don't feel safe, when I'm in Prescott, when I'm in Norfolk, right? When I'm in Woodbridge, no no offense to any of those communities, right? But me, Justin Farmer, right? Me randomly being in the middle of you know, East Lime, I feel more uncomfortable mm-hmm. than being on Star Street. And, okay. so, and it makes uh, perfect sense, though, because your feeling of comfort has something to do with what you know, it has something to do with the history you carry with you, right? So when I go to communities that are wholly different than mine, and by that I'm talking about the, the racial aspect of it in, in part, um, it is not a comfortable space because I know what historically it has meant for a person like myself to be in those spaces, regardless of who's actually there currently, Mm -hmm. right? So again, when we think about public safety and we don't bring all of these things into account, we're not really having a conversation about public safety. We are having a conversation about policing. And that's a conversation to have, but but then let's call it what it is. If we're having a conversation about public safety, then we have to have conversations about, in the communities you and I would tend to talk about, we have to have conversations about complex ongoing trauma, right? And, and what, it, what it, look like, what it looks like, how it manifests itself. How do you actually approach it? Do you approach it the same way as you would approach the normal traumas that we talk about? Because the, the reality is those traumas aren't just persistent, right? They're persistent in a place. And that place tends to be where you are Whereas the other types of traumas we're talking about, you don't really escape them because you carry them in your head with you, right? But those traumas are in that experience you had and now you're in your safe place. My safe place is the place where the trauma is. And so there's a different way you approach that. When we don't do that, what we do is we we create communities where you have intergenerational trauma. There's an epistemic part of this and none of that has been dealt with in a real sense in the policy arena. Uh, there's a lot of cute talk about it, and some people kind of get it, but policymakers by and large don't deal with that. And so you just keep replicating the same thing, and then you bring police 
with the volatile history we have between particularly communities, black communities and other communities of color with police, you bring them on top of it, it's a bad mix. So I, this is something that I always write. I, I don't think you can really talk about anything unless you're talking about the historical context. And so, you know, um, I just listened to amazing podcasts, uh, Mother Country Radical, right? Highlighting the Weathermen, highlighting uh, the Black Panther Party, mm -hmm. and talking about these mostly white radicals who mm -hmm. grew up in privilege and wealth, who felt injustices uh, about American imperialism and went to extreme uh, uh, vandalism, right? Um, and, and talking about the the consequences, right? And talking about the aftermath of how to rebuild their lives. And I, as I was listening to it, right? I, I'm just like, oh yeah. How do we honestly talk about policing and not talk about COINTELPRO? How do we honestly talk about policing and not talk about stop and frisk? And like, how do we? You don't, <laughs> you don't. But I feel like we do all the time, right? right. Like it's just right. like, hey, you gotta trust, but like there's never a acknowledgement of generational systematic uh 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 institutional deficits and at sometimes outright uh aggression. And like how do you right like I love when someone's like we're gonna talk about community policing, right? And I show up to the meeting, I'm like, hey. Um, are we going to talk about like 15 years ago, if you crossed the line of Hamden, New Haven, the Hamden police would pull you over? Oh, we don't need to talk about that. That's negativity. I'm like, oh. let's see, let's see what they don't, what they don't tend to get is the whole conversation about community policing is problematic, right? Because you are talking about community policing. Is it a better form than broken windows policing? Sure. Right. But you are literally talking about how do I bring more police into this community to interact with them? And my question is why? Mm. Because in that other community that we talk about is like the model community. That's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to have more community policing. And so what I'm trying to get us to understand is while I will accept the premise that community policing is a better form than other forms of policing, because I don't like getting beat up, right? I, when I was a kid, I used to run from the police when I was doing what I was supposed to do. I think that's wrong. But that was a smart thing for me to do because growing up in the Bronx and going to school and having to take the train down to Manhattan when I started high school, if I interacted with it, even though I was supposed to be in the space I was supposed to be in, it would lead to an exchange that should not happen. Right. So that was a smart thing to do. And I knew that because I understood my history. Right. As you said, the history is important. Now, people observing would be like, well, why would you run from the police? Because you have a brain in your head. <laughs> like, because you know what it means to interact with them because they have a perception of you that is based on their history as well. And so when you take history out you and you decontextualize this thing, no one knows how and why they're operating the way that they do, but they will operate based on that history. Um, and I think it's important, back to the, the, the point I'm making about community policing, I think it's important to understand that as soon as we start talking about community policing, in a sense, we have failed. Because what we are not talking about is the community. I live at the bottom of the, the hill, right? Uh, right. You go up the hill, you go back down the hill where it tends to be white folks who have more money. You don't have a conversation about community policing there. You don't need to have a conversation about community policing. And even though those people 
who come into that community at certain points when something happens, when they go into that community, they know how to function there, even though they don't know my name because I live on the right side of the hill. When they come into my community, all of a sudden, the fact that they haven't been there matters. Well, it, it can't be, they're the same folks, right? It cannot be the case that it matters on one side and it doesn't matter on the other. So you have to ask the question, well, what's different? Well, what's different is one, we're black, right? That's clear, right? We're black. The other thing that's different is there is a history when a community is disrespected of it being okay, right? When one community is disrespected, it's not okay. When another community is disrespected, that is less than a quarter of a mile from the community where it's not okay, it becomes okay. And so when I was doing a police accountability bill, one of the points I kept making was, this is not about whether you like police, you dislike police or not. This is about a group of people being given immense power, how that power is given and what happens at the point where that power is used in such a way as it's not supposed to be used. And traditionally for certain communities, when that happens, we, we go, everybody, by the way, not just police, not just white people, not everybody, because we all understand, even if we don't read and learn this, we all understand intuitively that it's fine and or it's just what's going to happen because that's how the system functions, which is another way of saying it's fine. So the black folks don't like it, right? But we know, well, it's fine because it's what happens. You know, I, I, um, I have a thought and, um, and then transition to, to another question, but I, I remember when Captain Duff was shot, right? Uh, I don't know what's going on. I was riding home on my bike and I remember seeing maybe 30 cops canvassing the neighborhood. I was like, okay. And then I remember seeing a tank, right? Like an armored vehicle roll down in the Dixwell neighborhood. And I'm like, I don't know. I have a strong feeling about this, right? At the time, right? Because uh, I didn't, right? And we've both experienced, right? Our homes being shot at, but it was like, yeah, that happened. There was no armored tank patrolling the neighborhood to find out like, cool, who, what assailant did did this atrocity, right? It was just like, oh, okay. So hold on a second, pause there for a second. Cause I want you, I want to make your point even deeper at the point where my home got shot and your home got shot neither one of us were just gary or justin but while the while the title doesn't mean all that much to me in an ongoing basis daily right we both held a title and yet none of that happened right so just think about that so the community now looks and says well hell if, <laughs> if gary's house gets shot and the response is what it is i ain't got a prayer right like, and, and by the way, here's the thing that's even even bigger than that. Yes, my house got shot on that day, but other days there's bullets that fly past the house and nobody's doing, do, like, coming and seeing what's going on. So, like, what are you telling us when eh, we walk down the street to get the, the casings and then everybody left, right? And, and like, we just moved on. It's normal. And, and to a certain degree, it is normal. When, when I hear gunshots that I know relatively close, it doesn't affect me the way that it should. On the day my house got shot, it did, because I like you could tell <laughs> those were like, those were like, yo, those are right outside. But, <laughs> but on a normal, ongoing basis, we function in an abnormal way. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's when you, again, back to your original question about public safety, 
when it has been so normalized that these things are happening, you know, you're not having a conversation about public safety. You're having a conversation about all of this other stuff that we've refused to. The, the legislature in this last session did a bill on two bills on trauma, well, actually on children's mental health. Um, and I went and testified and, and tried to kind of turn the, the, the course of things. Uh, because what I what I was saying was, you don't understand the trauma in my community because you, you think of it as, if you think of it, you think of it as the individual who's the shooter, right? I got to tell you that it's not the individual who's the shooter, it's me, right? Because people look at me and they go, oh, he's successful. I was an engineer. I came out of my housing project in South Bronx and made it to be an engineer. I'm a senator now and I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm speak, I've spoken across the country. All the stuff you would assume makes you a success. But the person who is that is also broken, right? And there's a reason why I speak so publicly about the things I've experienced and the traumas I've experienced, because I want people to recognize that while you think it's that young person who picked up the gun, that person in some ways, unless he actually shoots somebody, is less dangerous than I was potentially, because I don't look like I have issues. And yet I was a person for many years before I went and sought out my own mental health help, right? I was a person for many years who was this close to snapping constantly. <laughs> Only seriously, Is that Will right? Smith? No. Will Smith had nothing on me, right? <laughs> the, we got lucky that I didn't explode. And it were tiny pops, right? But we got lucky I didn't explode. Because the only thing I knew how to do was access, access anger, right? I didn't, I didn't know how to access other emotions the way that I should. I wasn't a person who could do, you name it. Uh, I, I couldn't do intimacy well, right? I'm talking about like intimacy, like us being in an intimate conversation and talking about feel. I couldn't do that, right? Uh, I, I didn't really do joy in the way that I would love to have done like joy. What the hell is joy? And you could go down the list of things that a human who's functioning the way that they should function would know, experience all of that. And I couldn't do it. But what I could do really well was anger. Mm. And so what does that do when you have a community full of those folks who look like they're okay, but they're ready to blow? And then you throw one little thing that was too much to end there. That's the, that's the thing that's dangerous, right? We only focus on the fact, well, he picked up a gun. I mean, really, how many of those people are there? They're important, right? But how many of those people are there versus all these other folks who aren't being dealt with? No. no. Um, Y'all are listening to Just In Time Conversation on WNH. 103.5 FM. Um, I'm your host, Justin Farmer, with our guest today, Senator Winfield, uh, talking about uh, public safety. Um, you know, I there's a crisis right now uh, in terms of traffic, right? Um, I bike, I one wheel on my motor skateboard, right? Uh, I do not drive, um, mostly because concerns of right having Tourette's, having a movement disorder, I've chosen that for the most part, unless I absolutely need to drive, uh, it is safer for myself. It is safer for the community not to drive. 
uh, and we've seen a, a slew of people being uh, killed by motor vehicle accidents, by hit uh, pedestrians getting hit. Um, and so I guess a, a, a kind of a question I have, like, why aren't we seeing traffic as public safety, right? Like, why, why aren't we seeing, why, why do we not talk about, right? I'm sure more deaths occur to more motor vehicle accidents uh, in New Haven than gun victims, right? But I, we never talk about it as a crisis or, or, or a community uh, a deficit that we have to figure out and address. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like anything else. The the minority voice is hard hard to be heard, right? The the, the majority of folks um, think of themselves as either pedestrian uh, passengers on some form of public tra- transportation or people who are driving their cars. And you have a you have a community of cyclists and walkers and all of that. But I think most of us think we've come to understand ourselves as we're going to drive a car. Um, and so when people come along trying to talk to us about these things. We come from a car driving perspective, same way that people will try to talk to anybody does come from. And you have to get past yourself, right? But are we, are we going to get past ourselves? Eventually, we will, right? But there's a lot of carnage uh, in the in the interim, um, and so I think that's important. I also think that the the relationships between the the various communities hasn't always been great, right? You know, you have some people. Um, and in the car driving community, who just ain't trying to hear what anybody has to say, and they're jackasses, jerks. Um, but then you have people in the other community, right, who may be right, but their approach is such that they're not going to be heard. And I don't want to tone police anybody. I'm just saying that you know these interactions when you're trying to change longstanding behaviors, they're difficult. And when you have some of the people in each of these communities as part of the conversation, it doesn't get any easier. Um, but should it be a conversation that, that, that we're having? Sure. Look, I live at the corner of Winchester and Division in New Haven, right? Uh, there's going to be a car accident there soon, right? Like, <laughs> just, like you, we know it, right? Because one, it's, it's, it's when you think about what that street is, you could be going from Hamden downtown almost, and you could get lucky and not hit the light. So, and that's like, what, two miles, two and a half miles? So you can be flying, which they often are. And then, you know, there's this disrespect for traffic lights in New Haven. So if you're flying that fast and somebody's coming through that thing, pow. The other thing is oftentimes right there, that traffic light doesn't work, right? And we know it because you have 10, 15, 20 accidents at that one place a year, sometimes more. I know because I see all of them, right? At, At one corner, but nothing gets done about it. Right, you don't even have a speed bump there. Simple. Nobody's talking, having a conversation about putting a roundabout there. You don't have uh, street painting there. Like you don't have any of that stuff. What you have is is the Indy <laughs> five hundred go. Um, no one's painting fish and flowers at the intersection for you. Ain't nothing, nothing. Right, but of course the other part of that, and people will hate that I say this. The other part of that is, it's just those folks, right? You say what you want, but communities where people aren't flying through have all that stuff, right? <laughs> but community where everybody, every if I mention that corner, everybody goes, yeah, we know. You don't have to live there. Yeah, we know. 
And you don't got some- flower boxes? No, it's not. Right? Like, seriously, you don't you don't live there, but you know, as soon as I mention that corner, everybody's like, yeah, we know. Right. I, I'm divided if I want to go down division, right? Let's, and so, I'm trying to go on the sidewalk, right? Cars like. But this is why history is important, because you cannot have any of these conversations without history, which is why this whole conversation nationally about critical race theory is just stupid. Right. Like all critical race theory says is hey, let's examine what is in front of us and the possible reasons why that happened so that we can get the full picture. It's saying, basically, you're looking at this portion of the picture. If you look at this portion of the picture, you might miss the thing right off to the side in the same picture. I did a different picture. If I, it's like if I gave you the crop version of the picture versus the full version of the picture. I could crop a picture of... Uh, you know, a lynching. I could crop a picture of a, a home being burned to, so it doesn't look like that. But if I open up and give you the full picture, you, you'd be like, well, that's the same picture? That's all we're talking about. And somehow we have a problem with that. No, I, I, I think, right, to your point, getting that full view in, in, in the past, right? And, and, and so uh, uh, another question, right, uh, of getting that full uncropped view in the present, right? Um, I see gentrification, right, as a a, a big powder keg, right? Um, I was talking with someone a couple of days ago, um, and they asked me, like, what do I see as the biggest issues um, in the New Haven area, right? And, and, and so the things I said, you know, race and class, right? Uh, I think that's always going to be a dynamic between the haves and have nots, right? And, and the racial, cultural tensions between different groups, right? Um, climate change, right? I'm like, cool, that affects how we behave and how we interact with the space and the resources. Uh, but then uh, economic development, right? And, 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 and housing, uh, I see as a big tension. And so you know, one of the one of my frustrations when I talk to Hamden community members, Justin, you don't understand. Crime is off the hook. It's never been this bad. And I'm like, mm. so I'm like, cool. Y'all ever heard of Church Street South? Y'all know, like, like if we just had more co- police in the community, Justin, all these things would go away. It wouldn't happen. I'm like, y'all remember? Not to interrupt you, but the frustration I have with the conversation, particularly during the pandemic, was crime is doing crime is whatever people thought crime was, which oftentimes wasn't actually accurate. But crime is X. And so the solution is police. How do you know that? How do you know that? Do you know why crime popped? Right. Like you didn't even you just saw there's crime police. But we know that police don't necessarily change what's happening with crime. We've had plenty of places across the country. We've donated points, right? Where you bring more police and surprise, surprise, crime doesn't drop, at least not, a, not sustainably. So that's not necessarily the answer. And my thing is like, if police were actually the answer, I'm not, I'm not against reducing crime, right? So if police were actually the answer, I might be on board with you. But could we investigate to figure out what the problem is before we talk about what the answer is? Right. And clearly during the pandemic, when you looked across the country, crime went up everywhere. So if you if you're trying to make it like crime is a problem in Connecticut or in my neighborhood because we need more police. 
at least in terms of a, a correlation, before we get to the conversation about whether there's a cause, at least in terms of a correlation, there's some correlation between the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and crime going up. So don't you think that's something to investigate? No, because the easy answer is we need more police, right? And so when you when you, when you you go for the easy answer, instead of trying to actually fix things, which politicians tend to want to have the easy answer, right? When you go for the easy answer, then you could go to the public and say, look what I did. But you didn't do anything. And I'm no more safe today than I was. The only thing that happened is I have more police that I have to pay more money for. And again, like I said, if that were actually the answer, I might be down with it. But let's figure out what the, what the, what the question is first so we can investigate the question and come up with the real answer. And we know during the pandemic that you had all kinds of things going on that led to an increase in crime. And what you saw was as the pandemic waned, guess what happened with crime? Nationally and Connecticut. Exactly what you would have thought. So, so again, people think that when you push back on these things, what you want is for all the criminals, I don't want to call them criminals, but that's how they label them, for all the criminals to be running free and to do what they want. Well, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. I want, I want people who are committing crimes to go do their time, but I also want when they come out, they have a way to get back into society. That's what I want. And I think... I think we oversimplify these things to our detriment. It's not just like, well, we oversimplify it. It's to our detriment. We are no more safe doing the wrong thing. We're always safer when we actually investigate and come up with a solution that is applicable to the actual problem. No, I, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I, a lot of the crime that's being added to my community is mostly, it's moving over a couple of blocks because affordability of where people can afford and can't afford and the resources that are allotted is not allotted, right? The fact that New Haven Promise, right? Six houses down, someone's in the New Haven Promise, right? Six houses up, same neighborhood, same corner store we go to, same city bus that we take, same side streets, right? Same people we might hang out with, but the resources are dramatically different, right? the opportunities are dramatically different based off of what municipality you rest your head in, what zip code you rest your head in. And so how do we talk about these bigger monolithic issues like gentrification that are compounding um, these issues around public safety, right? Like if people don't have safe dwellings, right? or if they don't have access to jobs, or they don't have, right, if the average job that I can go to to potentially make 30, 35,000 is about seven miles away, how do I then be a good parent and be involved and get my kids to karate and get them to, like, how do we have those intersectional conversations? Yeah, I mean, look, I I think, they drive one another, right? So you have a community like the community that we've been, the communities we've been discussing here. Clearly, you're going to have an issue in terms of the value of properties uh, not being what they should be. Uh, you haven't brought the resources in. So you have people who are going to tend to, in those communities, people who um, are going to uh, be renters versus owners because the owners are going to be moving out, right? And so you start a cycle that it gets to the point where hey, property's cheap. 
Now other folks looking for the long term are going to start buying these, right? Because they know what can happen as that shift happens. And you do this whole cycle. We've seen it everywhere. We saw it in Harlem, right? Many years ago. We've seen it all across where a country becomes, a, a community becomes undervalued enough that it's valuable, that there's value in it being undervalued, right? If you can wait long enough. And so uh, the people who, who so you or I might even do this, not, not thinking that we're participating in it, right? We go, well, that neighborhood is not going to be like that forever. Maybe I should buy a house there. The house value is going to go up, right? And so, you know, some of these people are vultures. Some of these people are just people trying to make a good investment. Regardless, what happens is their investments mean that sooner or later, the people who were there are no longer there. And what happens when you bring in these other folks, then we start having a different conversation about resources of the community and how we zone the community and what's, what's allowed to be in there. So I think we necessarily have to have a conversation about what it is we do because this gets replicated over and over and over again. And the question is, well, where did the other folks go? Where, mm. where are they going? And wherever they're going, by the way, wait 25 years because that's going to be the next spot, right? Because the cycle continues. Um, and if you're not having that conversation, then as you said, what you do is you be in the shift where it's not safe. You be in the shift where it's under-resourced, but you aren't changing anything. We need to, as I said, we need to do assessments of these communities, figuring out what should be in these communities, what isn't, and hold people to account. What often happens is we're having a conversation about, did I get a community center or not? That's one thing, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the panoply of stuff that needs to be in these communities, including schools or stuff. I want to just throw a plug, right? I got my shirt on because, uh, you know, I do the Because You Matter tour. Um, we're not having the conversations about those things. You, you, you cannot have a community. You cannot have a community if you don't have strong schools, right? Schools are, are a focal point for a community. So you, you, have, you have weak schools. You don't have community spaces. Uh, you don't have access to employment in or near your community, right? You, you live where I live, right? and you're, you're 15, 16 years old, and you're black, right? Where are you working? Where? Like, tell me where you're working. You working at, at you ain't working at the mall in Milford, right? Because you probably don't have transportation. And if you want to get there, you're going to jump on the, how long does it take on a bus to get there? Hour. And then to get back? Right. Uh, you're, going in, you're going into Hamden, where maybe it's a little, di little different now, but not too long ago, they really, really didn't want you. Like, where are you going to work, right? So we're not having a conversation about that. And then we're stunned that we have schools that fail kids. We have lack of employment for them. We don't have resources in the community. Like, I can't believe these kids are doing what they do. I can't believe some of them aren't doing it. And, and that's a real thing. So, and, I mean, look, that's real. But like, seriously, just let me just give this plug. Because you matter, Tor, uh, we go around to the schools twice a month. Uh, and we welcome the kids to school. The thing that you see people do on the first day of school, but don't do the rest of the year. We've been, we've been doing it the whole year for nine years. Uh, there's a Facebook page, the Because You Matter Tour. If you're listening, please go to the, to the Facebook page, go to events and find out what school we're going to be at because the more people who go and get in front of these kids, the more they see the people actually put word, their words to the actions, showing up and saying, I actually care enough to be here, especially like when I'm by myself in February and March in the school. It matters to those kids. It really does. And in and, and that moment, it may not seem like that because some of them walk past you, but I can't tell you about the number of conversations I've had later where young people come up to me and say, remember three years ago, right? And it, it had an impact on them that we didn't know. So anyway, I just wanted to put that plug in. 
No, no, I, I, I was going to ask you to, to mention if you did it as, you know, I, it's weird to start to experience that where it's just like, oh, yeah, I remember you when I was 13 and now I'm 20. And like, I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, bro, you can't of- say that. I'm too young for you to be saying that. That's all. That sounds so. Yeah. Age is um, a funny thing. <laughs> no, I, I, so I, you know, I, for those of y'all who are joining us, right, listening to Just in Time Conversations, WNHHFM 103.5, um, um, with myself, Justin Farmer, and, and Senator Winfield, um, you know, as we, um, come closer to the time, you know, um, uh, what, you know, you talked about home, right? And how you want to feel safe in home. And I think one of the things that uh, I see in this generation is talking about, right? Talking about therapy, right? I, the other day I had to think about it and I was like, ow, almost everyone around me that I know is in therapy. Like, hmm. Maybe I need to go and start talking about some stuff because everybody around me is like, yo, yeah, so I have a conversation I have with my therapist and da-da-da. I'm like, right? Or like, cool, talking about pronouns. Or cool, talking about current events. I feel this generation um, is more willing to talk about what they need and talking about what's going on around them. And so, you know, as a parent, right, how do you right find that peace in home and how do you start to have these conversations with with your kids and and in your family so that you can have that peace in the home mm-hmm. i don't own my children that's that i don't i don't own them right like you know parents take offense to uh the behaviors of children that are the behaviors of children it's not, that's not disrespect. And yes, there are boundaries we have to set, right? Because you're going to go out into society. But while I am about the business of setting boundaries, I'm also about the business of you actualizing yourself as a human being, even though you're two, three, four years old, right? You have agency. Um, and it is not for me to dominate you, right? That's not the look, the outlook of my family, if you go back in history, but that is my outlook because I've come to understand that part of my issues come out of not being able to actualize myself, not being able to have a voice, not being able to think, even though everybody wants you to think. Um, I also realized that, look, the, the, the young brain needs time to develop. We talk now about the science of the brain and the development of the, the frontal lobe and all of this stuff, but we don't act like we know it. And so it's like, I have two four-year-olds, right? And I have two older kids too, but I'm talking about the four-year-olds, right? Whenever my four-year-olds do something, I have a conversation with them about why did they do it, right? That's not my, my mother would be like, so what we're going to do is we're going to whoop your butt. <laughs> I learned something, but I didn't learn what I needed to learn. The more of that you do, the more of that conversation you do, the more, the quicker that part of the brain that develops slowly is able to develop, right? So I know as a parent, my, my goal is to get you to the space you need to be to, not to be like, I feel good because I told you. You told the three-year-old? Really? And then like, if possible, I don't want to be doing damage to my kids, which is what that physicality is, because the world does damage to my kids. Mm. So, so what I am trying to do is, is grow. And I also am vulnerable to my children, which that's a hard thing for a parent to be. 
right? But I'm vulnerable to my children because I think they need to understand that while I am the dominant figure in the house, no matter what, I'm bigger, right? I'm, I'm the dominant figure in the house. I'm human too. I have feelings. I make mistakes, right? And when I make a mistake, I'm accountable to you, even as my child, right? And saying, I'm sorry. And it's not just saying I'm sorry because like, I feel like I better say that, but explaining myself. But I do this thing where I know I'm still, with all of that, I'm still gonna get it wrong. So I now write a journal for my kids about what I'm feeling. So mm -hmm. that someday when they look, they'll be like, that's what that was about, right? A conversation I might miss, or I might've thought I had and might've explained myself well. Things that I would like to know, and plus it'll tell them just something about who that person was as, or at least who that person thought they were, because I'm not going to say I'm going to be right. Like we tell ourselves stories, right? But who that person thought they were as you're interacting with them. And I think it gives them a fuller picture. So I think, look, we have to, to get past ourselves. We have to say, if I love you, then that has real, real meaning. And that meaning isn't just the words came out of my mouth, but it means that I love you because I see a part of me in you and I invest in and you, because of that, and then that grows the relationship that we have, and I don't want to hurt myself, so why would I hurt you? That's, that's, that's how I think you get to a space in your house where you have all the things the parent needs, but you still have peace and love and a real relationship that can grow into something hopefully magical as that child grows up. Mm -hmm. No, that, that, that is that's definitely an idea that I will take, right? It's like, that's why I yelled at you when you were 12. I was like, cool, let me try to break it down. Why? Right? I was bugging, but like, gotta understand. I struggle. There are times when I raise my voice, but I'm trying not to yell. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be firm and then sit them down and say, listen, why are you doing that? Because sometimes kid doesn't know why they did what they did. And they can get there if you ask them and force them to think. But when you don't force them to think, they don't know. So they're gonna do it again, right? Like I, my four-year-olds, there's certain behaviors that you would assume a four-year-old would do that they don't do anymore. <laughs> and they're four. You know, you know how you know how impactful we can be on our children. Mm. I want to be. I want to be. Listen, I want my kids to be fully able to access these emotions and talk about stuff. I want my kids to get to the point where if they need therapy, they should go. But that's not an immediate thing for them. Mm. Like, like, why should they immediately need to go to therapy? Because I'm a jackass. Because it's not because of them. Like we said, oh, I didn't raise you to be like that. No, you absolutely raised them to be whatever they are because no one else raised them. You I'm get off my Plus, I gotta, I gotta go soon. So like, get off my you, you said, you said this is a, this isn't the America uh, I grew up in. No, <laughs> it's not. It's a better, it's a better place in some ways, and in some places, some ways, it's the same. One last question before you go, right? I always ask people for this. Um, what's a song that you bump to? What's a what's a song that you that you think of? Something that that right? Because I think words are always powerful, but those experiences. And so, what's something that we can experience with you? Wow, I mean that cha that changes what you're talking. Like, I I like music, right? So. I'm a, I listen to R&B. I listen to rap. Uh, and look, my, my rap tastes are as terrible as they were when I was a kid, right? When I was, when I was younger, I listened to the good rap and the bad rap, right? 
I don't know if you remember. Remember the, remember the group years ago, DRS? They had the song Gangsta Lane. Remember them? That, yes. Do you ever hear the album? No. Don't listen to it. <laughs> that was a beautiful song. The rest of that thing, you're like, oh my God. Right? But so I listen to stuff like that and what people would tend to call gangster rap. Uh, and I listen to conscious. I listen to all of it. Um, right now, I'm not the biggest fan of some rap, right? And not because people are mumbling, because they're not <laughs> doing it. I hate when people have this thing about mumble rap, whatever. Like, hey, the my problem is they're not doing anything, right? That's that's my problem. They're not doing anything. It's like it's a replication. Um, yeah, and I, I guess yeah, everything's about your ops, whatever. But like, do something. Do something. You're you're an artist, right? You're not. You're not just a rap, you're an artist. Create some art for me. And if, you, if it's in the mumble genre, it might be good to me. But like, right, but like, I don't know the song, the song, right? They're just songs that of all different sorts that hit, hit your soul. The song you start the, the, the show with, I love that song. I listen to Sway in the Morning. <laughs> the song they start, they start with. I love that song. Those are old songs that speak deeply to your soul. I love I love love music, right? I really love love music. I sing a lot, not in public because it's terrible, <laughs> and y'all should never hear that. But I sing a lot, and I wish I could sing. Um, I just I, I couldn't answer that question. It would take me forever to answer that question. But music is a part of. I actually I sing all day long. People who who know who who've hung out with me are like, yeah, this is crazy. I never. It's 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 like that, and I'm one of those people. If something happens, I know the song for it. <laughs> so I start singing the song. You're like, okay, you're annoying me now. Um, but while I don't know the song, I do think that music is important. It's transformative. Uh, when you don't have the words, the music of uh, someone else can be the words that you need. Um, and it just, I don't know. Clearly, if I'm singing all day long, it, it means a lot to me. So, you know. Well, I, I, I want you to hear the intro, the outro. So uh, I want to thank you um, for connecting with us today and uh, on uh, Just In Time Conversations, WNHHFM 105.3. Uh, thank you, Sir Winfield, uh, uh, for being with us. Until next time, let us plant the seeds of change so that we can grow together. Yo, yo, the dog is here. The dog is here. Yo, yo, the dog is here. Yo, yo, yo. Where the East Coast at? Where the West Coast at? Where the Mid Coast at? Where the Tennis Coast at? Where the East Coast at? Where the West Coast at? Where the Mid Coast at? Where the Tennis Coast at? Where the Hood, where the Hood, where the Hood at? Had a look in the dark, where the world at? On the right, talking up, where the world's at? You better bust that.
look for them in the mall I don't play with these cats, I ain't got nothing to say to these cats But the moment they really do love them, please pray for these cats Cause I know they all hard-headed, but I ain't got the patience Don't want me having a patience, turning them more patients Most of the ICU, cause ICU Trying to get away with things a real wouldn't do Where my dog's at, you see them? Get them, boy, that's how we do Yeah, this is for my dog, this is for my dog It's all good. I'm in